The Boise Bubble Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. Oh my goodness, I am so excited for spring. It's when your husband tells you it's time for camping, fishing, mosquitoes, fun in the sun with your family. Can you at least try to act like you want to be with your family? Hey, but you know what is great is that we get to drive the Volkswagen Tiguan with four motion all wheel drive and it makes it easy to get wherever you need to go. Even though it honestly would be a lot easier if we could just go to a hotel and get takeout and go to the pool, but whatever, it's fine. You can go to the mountains, the river, just a picnic with your family. And if you've got a big family, or if your husband has literally spent thousands of dollars in needless supplies so you can go camping in the woods for one night and sleep in the dirt, try the three-row Atlas. Volkswagen, engineered to be easy. Unlike anything about camping with your family. Or marriage. (laughs) This is the Boise Bubble Podcast, where we talk all things Treasure Valley. We're your hosts, Shane and Natalie Plummer. Welcome back to the conversation. Hey everyone, welcome back to the conversation. So we're just going to get right into it. A couple podcast episodes ago, we talked about uh, getting up into the Idaho mountains. Uh, We had our guest Tyler Sissonen and we had a great conversation about what makes the Idaho mountains particularly unique and special. We talked about preparedness, we talked about safety. It was a great conversation. Um, And afterwards, we had a lot of people message in have, they had some questions about what we talked about and specifically wanted to know about particular hikes in the area that we could direct people to. So we have um, made up some ideas to share with you guys. And I'm going to turn it a little bit over to Shane. Um, and we're going to talk about basically hiking close to home. Yeah. Um, after we finished up with the last episode, I kind of had to, some of these questions from other people made me question the perspective that I kind of come at this with. I'm used to being in the outdoors, but I realized that it can be a little bit intimidating for a lot of people, especially I think that maybe if people who've grown up in an urban environment and never had the opportunity to um, get outside, like my background, I did Boy Scouts growing up, so I was always outside doing something. And then um, I'm trying to th- think what else kind of got well and also you I mean you grew up in rural Arkansas you talk about how you just ran up into the mountains it was just like your play yard oh yeah and and it's interesting because I'm not a huge hiker but when I started thinking about my background I went to girls camp every year we had to be very certified when I was a senior in high school we spent several days hiking um in the Cascades and um and even with that background, I find getting out into the mountains a little intimidating. And I've talked to a lot of friends, um, single moms who were like, oh, I'd love to take my kids up, but I, I don't know how to do it. Um, and there was an interesting podcast I listened to a little while ago about some of the difficulties sometimes of minorities coming um, into the outdoors that they have had um some different backgrounds. Some of them, maybe uh, lots of people don't know how to swim, for example. We just take that for granted. That, that maybe, blows my mind. I know, but but it makes sense. Not everybody just had access to a pool or a lake or something to go jump into. And um, some people really, when they're looking up at the mountains, 
uh, they're seeing it as a very formidable force. And, and I don't think when you look into the mountains, that's not what you're seeing. You're seeing this inviting, welcoming place. Absolutely. I see a spot and I think, oh my gosh, I want to get up in there. <laughs> Where do I start? How do I get it going? Yeah. But I'm going to get up to the top. Mm-hmm. But I can also imagine that, you know, when we're talking about some of these experiences that we've had and, um, you know, the awe and the wonder that we felt being out there, a lot of these places are, they're back deep. And somebody getting started probably likes the part of the conversation that talks about the inspiration and the positivity. But when they think about, oh my gosh, that's where they had it. They had they had that experience backpacking in five miles and they had to drive three hours to get there. That's probably not for me. And they probably feel uh, not too enticed to get out there and learn something. So I thought, why don't we pick a couple of places? Why don't we talk about some basics about getting started? And then we'll talk about some specific areas that are honestly in our backyard. And a couple of these are so close. They're not even in our backyard. They're in that tiny strip of grass between houses and the Crampack subdivision. They're so freaking close. <laughs> if you're not from Idaho, you might be like, wait, what? There are some, <laughs> seriously, there's some neighborhoods here where the lawn between houses is like, you can barely fit a lawnmower between it. Totally. I remember I'll the first time that we you saw could that. touch it. If you just stretched your arms out, <laughs> your fingertips could touch the two Remember houses. when we first came here and we were looking for houses? Um, and this was in 2011. Um, I was looking for a house and I walked, walked into the most amazing home. I'm like, why is this price so inexpensively? And I walked in and the backyard literally was enough to hold your garbage cans and then the fence and then the next house. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's it. great. Anyway, moving on. So, okay. Um, let's talk about some basics. The One of the things that I wanted to talk about is just uh, gear. Like some pe- people think, oh my gosh, I got to have all this gear. You, you, you totally don't. Some of these trails that we're going to share, you could probably just take your everyday footwear and you'd be okay. Um, uh, you might have a better experience if you have some hiking shoes, but you can still get probably 90% of, uh, of the value with just regular shoes. Now, don't take slides and don't take flip-flops. We shared the story about my mom trying to get down to this lake on, in slides. I felt like a terrible son. It was awful. But uh, just basic shoes are going to be okay. Something that laces, and ideally if you got something with ankle support, that's going to be a good idea too. Um, the other thing is just take, carry a backpack. It doesn't. You don't have to have a water reservoir or something with like a tube coming out of it that you can suck on it as, as, as you're walking. But just take some water bottles and something that can carry a, de- a decent amount of water. Um, but those are honestly the basics. Oh, sunscreen too. A lot of these hikes that we're going to talk about uh, in the foothills, there's not a lot of shade cover. So you got to be ready for um, some hot conditions, especially if you're going out there in the summertime or, or late summer. Um, not a lot of shade. Take something to hydrate. Take some sunscreen, some sun sunglasses, just the basic precautions. Um, all right. Okay. I made a list of some general rules of thumb for okay. going out there. Um, one of them is we're going to share some places with you, but do your own research. I'm, I'll try to be as specific as I can to how to get there, but I can't tell you turn for turn how to get there. And I can't tell you exactly what the trail is going to be like. All of these places that we're going to share, if you just did a simple Google, they're going to be out there and you're going to be able to find some basic information. Some people that have done a better job than I can about describing the trail and kind of how to go and follow it through. But um, I highly recommend people get onto to Google Earth. Google Earth is totally free. You get in there and the level of detail that you can zoom in, you can really see uh, the twists and turns of some of these trails. And especially these, they're pretty prominent trails. So you're going to be able to see them pretty easily from the, from the satellite. But crack it open. Do some research. See what it is that you're getting into. That's okay. a general. 
Um, another thing that I was going to talk about is the time of, of, of year. We are coming into the prime time for the lowlands. Um, if you want to get up into the trees and above the timberline, it's kind of tough right now. Really, the game that you have to play is chasing the snow line. And being down in the valley, it's pretty easy to look up there on Schaefer Butte and see what the snow level is right now. But uh, if you're wanting to get to some of these elevations and you know what Schaefer Butte is, I, I can't remember what Schaefer is. Part of me wants to say it's like 7,000-something or other. But um, you look on Google Earth and you can see the terrain. You can see all the elevation of some of these places. Schaefer's an awesome rule of thumb to say, okay, well, I know that I want to go to such and such a mountain, and it's at 8,000 square feet or, or um, feet above sea level, uh, or maybe it's 7,000. And I know that Schaefer's at 7,000. So if I'm looking up at Schaefer and there's still snow on it, I probably can't go there yet because – well, it's interesting because it is really confusing because you're down here and it's gorgeous in the Treasure Valley in May. And I I feel your <laughs> your frustration because I'm like, it's beautiful. Go hiking. But I've been out with you before in May going up um, the mountains and it is suddenly winter and the snow takes a long time to recede. And and so don't take what you're seeing down here as, as indication of what you're going to find when you get up to the mountains. Oh, yeah. Like the... The temperature differential between the valley and up near Bogus um, in the summertime is sometimes around 20 degrees. So it might feel perfectly great here, but uh, if you go up there, number one, there might be snow, and number two, you might be a little bit cold. If 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 you're dressing for the weather in the valley, you got to take into consideration your final destination. If it's up pretty high, the temperature is going to drop. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a general rule of and thumb. And be prepared that you might be up there at dark and unexpectedly. I see a lot of people who go up for the day and they don't realize how quickly uh, night comes on and it is really cold. Like yeah. I would always recommend bringing something just in case, just to stay warm. I think that some planning will keep you out of those scenarios. If you know how far you're going to go, how long it might take, um, you're not going to be up there um, past dark if you're not wanting to be. Um, if you do some prep. Another thing that I wanted to uh, go into is that the time of year is awesome for wildflowers. When you get up into the, the higher elevations, the wildflower uh, flowers will start coming out in June, July. Uh, July is a sweet time to be going up north. Um, when you're going south into some of the, the lower elevations, some of the arid desert hiking, uh, you'll start getting wildflowers in May and June. So mm-hmm. uh, just know kind of where you're going. Um Dog restrictions, I love seeing people with their dogs out there. In fact, if I had a dog, I'd want to go there too. And I don't want to I don't want to tell you to put your dog on a leash. I know that hardcore people might say, oh, yeah, you have to have your dog on a leash, but I love seeing a dog run free, and I want that dog to be happy. But I also know that for people who don't have dogs, it's kind of annoying when you run into an aggressive dog that's really barking at you or jumping up on you or scratching you. And I get it that they're being playful, but I don't know. Just be aware of your dog. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's something for me. I guess it's interesting. Uh, people with dogs have a, such a different perspective. Um, I'm very uncomfortable when a big dog comes at me. Like that is something that actually derails me from going places sometimes. I really... I really appreciate when people are, are aware that not everybody wants a dog jumping up on you. That's a really scary experience for me. Yeah. And if you do take your your dog, pick up the poop. 
please just pick up the poop, especially like if your dog is relieving itself right there by the trail. Nobody wants to see that. And I get it. It feels awesome to go to the bathroom in nature. There's something very primal about that. <laughs> okay. I love it. Uh, but don't do it right next to the trail where everybody's going to be walking. So pick it up. Um, look out for mountain bikers. Some of these hikes that we're going to talk about, especially those heading up to Bogus, they are notorious for having Mike, uh, for having mountain bikers, and that's great. Um, a lot of the trails are single track, meaning that they're pretty narrow. There are enough for one for you know a train of people to be walking in one direction. So I think I could be wrong, but I think that the rule of thumb is that hikers yield to bikers. And that's because it's easier for a hiker to step off of the trail than for a biker to take their bike off of the trail. So if you're walking, don't feel um, put out by seeing mountain bikers come down the trail. Uh, I think that it's our obligation as hikers to get off. And I like to kind of stand uphill as opposed to standing downhill. I could have that one backwards, but I just kind of like to have the high ground. So if you can and you see a mountain biker coming, step off the trail, let them pass, and then get back to it. Okay. There's, if you want to get out right now, and it's an awesome time to get out to some of these really close by trails, it's springtime, and springtime means thaw time. Um, I actually went out yesterday, and I started pretty early. It was dark, and it was 26, 28 degrees. It was brisk. And as I started walking, a lot of the trail, it's just hard. Everything is frozen, and uh, it's pretty solid. So when you're walking, if anything, it's kind of crunchy. But when I was walking back mid-morning, the same trail that was crunchy going up, it was a muddy mess coming down. And like we talked about in the previous episode with Tyler, um, muddy trail is the easiest time to um, add to erosion. So in not only that, but sometimes you'll get to these kind of muddy spots in the trail and people want to avoid it. And so they walk off of the trail. And that's how you start getting trail expansion. Um, just power through go through, but do be aware that the mud is kind of slippery sometimes. So if you're going on a trail that has some climb, some elevation or uh, gain or drop, muddy trails mean slippery trails too. So. Is that why you carry a, like a stick, your hiking stick? I like to have a trek and pole, especially when I'm going downhill. Going uphill, I don't use it all that often, but I do like having it when, I, when I'm going downhill. And if I'm wearing a pack, and I feel a little bit unstable. Um, having a trek and pole is pretty awesome or a walking stick or something just to kind of catch yourself so that if you do slip, you get used to walking with one, it can be pretty handy. Okay. Um, there's not a lot of shade cover with some of these uh, Boise foothill trails. As you start walking, and especially when you get into the summertime, um, June, July, even August, uh, it's pretty oppressive when you're walking. And the views are great, but you're not going to have a lot of shade cover. So come prepared, wear a hat, have some sunglasses, definitely have some sunscreen, and have plenty of water too. All right. Should we start talking about specific spots? Sure. Okay. Also, wait, I'm going to add one thing. My favorite part of hiking <laughs> is having really fun food. And I know that sounds lame, but I always feel like it's really fun to kind of break bread with Mother Nature. Like, I I think for me, that's like a really fun thing is if I'm going to go through all the effort of going on a hike, I kind of have, I know what I like to take up there. I always have like a really small kind of like blanket or something that I can just sit on and make sure to have some time where you can just really sit and enjoy and, and and have just a moment, I guess, in nature. I That's just my little random tip is that I would be really bummed if we went on a hike and we didn't have uh, like 20 minutes where we just sit and eat some food and enjoy what we've, what we've uh, accomplished. I love you. That's Aww. such a great suggestion. Thanks. I love you too. 
I think that if you are going out with kids, that's a great way because if you go out there, some of these places are out and back or they're a loop. Um, you got to have something to keep kids' attention. And if you want to sit and enjoy it and you want them to sit and enjoy it, that's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Take some food, take some some snacks, sit down and take your time with it, get to know it. And you're right, there's something personal personal whenever you're eating and enjoying these fantastic views. It's a... Uh, I don't know. I think just taking the time and eating as you do it is pretty nice. Yeah. And that's, we haven't really talked about kids very much, but um, it is, it's helpful for us to say, hey, in just this long, we're going to sit down, we're going to have those, you know, Twinkies or whatever. We always bring like food that we don't normally have. It's like field trip food. You don't actually get this food any other time. But um, also just in the, in the kids, if you have kids that you're taking, this is a really good opportunity to explain to them how to enjoy things while still being respectful. And I know that's so much easier said than done. I mean, we've, we know kids who just, they're excited and they yell and they scream and all the things, but to, this is, I found this to be a really good opportunity to talk about, um, respecting nature, respecting other people, um, being safe. And not that that always turns out, uh, perfectly, but it, it has been some really good learning opportunities for our family. Yeah. There's plenty of common ground to let kids be wild and also be respectful and to enjoy it well. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we, we go into the specific places, I know a lot of people, their hearts are racing. They're getting all offended. Don't tell them specific spots. You shouldn't tell them specific spots. But as I was thinking about it, I thought, look, come on. We got to share something. If we want people to take care of the outdoors and we want people to love this state, They're going to have to get outdoors to do it. And we got to share with them some places where they can do this. Um, I think that we need to get comfortable talking about a couple of specific spots. Now, I'm not going to tell all about Uncle Jimmy's special spot up there that (laughs) only you and Fred and Barney know about. (laughs) Strange how those were Flintstone. Weird how Flintstone names were like the first first thing that came into my mind. I don't know. That's cool. Maybe I'm subconsciously thinking about Flintstones. Okay. Um. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to share those, but these are all common places that it would not take anybody a lot of work to find these. Um, but I like them because they're, number one, they're close by. Everything that we share here, I think on the furthest end is an hour and a half out. Most of them are within an hour. Mm-hmm. So it's super accessible. Um, the other thing is that they've got beautiful views. They all have something that... Uh, and it's a diversity of views too. We've got a couple of places down south uh, in the desert. We've got cu- a couple of places up north and um, in the mountains, and then we've got some places right in our backyard. So very accessible. So hopefully, I'm not going to offend anybody by sharing any of these. Um, yeah. Okay. There's well, that. Let's go. Okay. Let's start south in the desert. Um, when you go south of uh, Nampa, you'll start getting into a lot of farmland. You'll get into some wine country, and you'll pass through a lot of agricultural area. But as you're going south, you're driving down towards the Snake River and the Oahe Mountains. Um, so many options down there. It's awesome. And as you're going, I forget what road that takes you down there. I think that it's Meridian Road. But if you just Google Celebration Park, Celebration Park is um, it's uh, they've got a visitor center. They've got restrooms. They've got a lot of cool things to see right there on the banks of the snake. And if you want to take a fishing pole, you got a fishing permit, you can go out there and catch some fish. Um, I think that there are also a couple of tent camping spots so that uh, if you did want to reserve one, you can go and camp. But there's um, 
Celebration Park even has like this little tiny short um, short hike into this little boulder field that has some petroglyphs. Oh, right. Yes. So if you want to see some petroglyphs uh, super close, they're right there. But what I like about it is that super close right by there, you've got Guffy Bridge and a trail that leads up to Guffy Butte. Um, it's pretty easy. It's got some elevation gain. In fact, I want to say that it's maybe got a... Um, I forget what the gain is, but it's less than a thousand feet. It might only be like 500 feet of elevation gain, but I took the the kids there. I took them on a camp out and then I wanted to get them hiking. And so I took Ellie and Ellie, this is, I think Ellie's our seven year old. Yeah. It was a year before last. So she was, I think that she was five when she did it and she made it not all the way to the top, but up to the Rocky, um, overlooks it's, um, it starts at the bridge and then you go over the bridge and you can see the snake river. It looks beautiful. And as you kind of start climbing, it's just a slow and steady elevation game. Um, and you'll get to these rocky overlooks. That's where we um, stop to have lunch. It's almost like these towers, but you can traverse them. You can scrabble up. I took my kids up there, so it's obviously not super dangerous. But you can see a view of the entire valley. You see the farmland. You can see all the way north to the Boise Mountains. It's fantastic. And if you want to keep going, at one point the trail kind of forks and you stay right, and it'll take you up on top of the butte. It's this flatland. The views are even more spectacular, and it'll loop around and tie back into the trail right at about those rocky overlooks. Um, I want to say that round trip, it's about two miles. It's not super, um, it's not super far and it is less than a thousand feet of, of gain. Great. So you'll see the Owyhees, you'll see the snake, you'll see some cool gorges, uh, uh, some farmlands, the whole valley. Um, it's a pretty cool one to get started. Now, if that's one, they do have restrooms. There's not a lot of shade cover. Once you get going, it's pretty uh, bright. Plan accordingly. Okay. All right. That's my offering for going south. Um, if you want to go on a couple of quick ones that are fairly close, I like Table Rock. Sure. Almost everybody knows Table Rock. You can see it. it's got the big cross here, but you can see it as you're driving into town from Twin Falls. You can see it as you're going on the connector. Um, Table Rock is super, pro uh, super prominent. Most people, um, there are two places to, to get started. Um, a lot of people, they like to start at the old penitentiary. So just Google the old penitentiary and there's a trailhead that will start you there. I want to say that it's called like the old pin trail. Um, and that's a good place to start. It is, um, it's four miles. So I want to say that it's two miles up and it's two miles back, but it's got a lot to see along the way too. It also has less than a thousand feet. So it's not super hard. Um, you'll see people with young kids doing it all the time. Um, but you'll see some cool boulders along the way. You see uh, some pretty cool vegetation. And then when you get up there to the top, the views of downtown Boise are super close. So you see the city and then you can see all the way across the entire Treasure Valley. You look up, you see the mountains. It's a majestic, just all-encompassing vista. It's pretty great. It's probably one of the most social media, I guess, uh, captured Places yeah. in, in everybody the hikes Valley. Table Rock, so yeah. be ready for a little bit of congestion on the trail. Not like you're going to be really having to slow down for other people, but if you're looking for solitude and privacy, you're not going to get it. This is a, something that everybody's going up, uh, but, and that's what kind of makes it fun, though. I think that 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 hike is more about, hey, it's beautiful, and let's all get out and enjoy uh, this together. That that I never think of that trail as something of. I need to have some moments by myself. Like it's more, Hey, I'm going to see friends along the way, yeah. which makes it really fun. It's like, look, there's this awesome, amazing place to see an incredible view right on the back door of the city. Um, everybody can go up there and see it. Yeah. Don't expect a lot of solitude, but it is worth going to. Yeah. 
Um, oh, I kind of started. There are two places to access it. One is at the old penitentiary, mm-hmm. but it gets kind of busy there, especially for, for parking. But there's another um, there's another trailhead as you're going down. I think it's down Warm Springs Road off of the golf course. The golf course, Warm Springs Golf Course, kind of abuts Warm Springs Road right across the street. Um, as you're going uphill towards the mountains, there's a pullout and a place to park. If you Google 14 Tram Trail, you'll see it right there. And that's another good good place to get that hike started. Okay. The other one that's super close is Lucky Peak. A lot of people... Um, you were looking up at Lucky Peak every day, but a lot of people don't know that you can actually hike up there. Mm-hmm. Up on the very top of the peak, you'll see some radio towers. That's where they have all that equipment. But you access it from Warm Springs Boulevard. So if you get on Park Center Avenue and you're driving down, it eventually turns into Warm Springs. Um, and you can Google all this, uh, but you'll turn left on Council Springs Road into a subdivision. It feels like you're not going into the right place. But as you drive through that subdivision, maybe a quarter mile um, you'll find the Homestead Trailhead. So just Google Homestead Trailhead. You got to go through a subdivision to get there, but park, there's pretty good parking. I forget how many cars that I've seen out there at a time, maybe 15, 20. Um, but uh, it's got a lot more elevation gain. Uh, it's 12 miles out and back. It's a little bit more formidable, and it's got about 3,000 feet of gain. You don't have a lot of cover as far as trees for shade and there's not a lot of water. So you got to take water. That might, that one might be a little bit more advanced um, to go to. And I don't know, I don't know that I take my small kids there. I take my small kids to um, Table Rock, Table Rock, mm-hmm. but I don't know about Lucky Peak. Okay. High school kids, perhaps. But once you get there, you you are up above the foothills. You see the entirety of the valley. It's awesome. Kind of makes me think about, intimidation. We were talking about it on the drive over here. Some of these trails, especially for those that are new getting out there, might think, man, I don't know if I can bite out a 12-mile hike, or I don't know if if I can um, do even a two-mile hike. Mm -hmm. Pick one of these that are super close, like Lucky Peak or Table Rock or a couple of these others that I'll share in a second, and just start doing it in small pieces. Go out there with the intent of just hiking for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you go out, you walk out for 10 minutes, and then you come back. The next week, you go out for 30 minutes. So you have 15 minutes out, 15 minutes back. But do that over the course of several weeks, just going a little bit further each time, setting yourself some goals, uh, coming prepared with some water, and uh, you will be surprised at how quickly you can uh, get your body ready to really traverse some of these things. I don't think it's just about also getting your body ready. I think it's about a comfort of being in the outdoors because it is very, I mean, you're you're very exposed. Um something uh, about just feeling comfortable um, getting out there. But yeah, I, I mean, I think about some of the things I, if I had to do this without you with the kids, um, it, it's, it makes me a little nervous, but when I, I, you don't have to do a trail like it's been lined up to do. You could just go out and then come back and see how that feels. Uh, hey, did I get a blister uh, in a mile? Okay, so there's probably some problems with my shoes. Like, it's just uh, just acclimating yourself slowly, um, and then within time, you're going to feel more comfort with it. Yeah. Um, also close to home is on the way up to Bogus Basin, 
there are several trails along the way that you'll probably recognize them if you've been up to that area. Um, they get a lot of traffic, especially for mountain bikers, but they're beautiful hikes within the foothills. Um, as you start going up there, one of the ones that I love that I have been, I, I haven't been to all of these, but I have been to Polcat, Polcat Trail. Polcat Trail is about a five mile loop. Um, it starts right off of the road. Um, you're heading up Bogus Basin Road, and instead of going all the way up there, you hang a left on Cartwright Road, and you kind of drive up there a couple of miles. But if you just do a super uh, a super simple Google search of Polecat Trail, it'll give you the, the directions of getting there. But like I said, there's not a lot of ele- um, elevation gain, but spectacular views. There's a little bit of cover here and there. Um, they don't have restrooms, um, and I don't think that they have a lot of water there either. So pack water, but it's a five mile loop. You don't have to, t- to take the entire loop, but it's gorgeous. Um, are there skunks there? Is that why they call it polecat trail? Do they call skunks polecats here? I mean, we moved from the South. <laughs> That's what oh, they yeah, call down skunk. South. You'd smell, oh, polecat. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, I still say that. I'm like, oh, smell polecat. <laughs> Mom, stop talking like that. Um, there are a couple of other trails as you're heading up towards Bogus Bacon. Uh, Bogus, Bogus Bacon. <laughs> Bogus Basin. Um, there's the Corrals Hike. There's Miller's Gulch, which is a nine-mile out and back. It has restrooms. So it's got a couple of more facilities there. So if it's got restrooms, you know that it's got some pretty heavy foot traffic, kind of popular. Um, Miller's Gulch, I hear, is great. I like to go, but I haven't. Um, and there's also one called Dry Creek Trail. It's 11 miles out and back. So five and a half miles out, then you come back five and a half miles. Um, it's a pretty cool one, too. So I hear maybe I'll hit it this summer or yeah. the, this spring. Um, so that's on the way to Bogus Basin. Now, when you get up to Bogus Basin um, in the winter, we all know that it's covered in, in snow. But when you're looking up there and you see it thawed out, a lot of people don't know that you can hike Schaefer Butte. So if you get in your car and you drive all the way up there and you pass Bogus Basin on the right, um, you keep going beyond that, that long parking lot. Um, if you keep on going, there's a place to, um, I think that it's right before, they've got another lodge out there. I think it's called Pioneer Lodge. Um Pioneer Lodge, where'd my notes go? Wait, um, did we do this last year? Is this the one that we did? We did. Okay, that yeah. was really cool. So I took you and the kids up there. Um, it's, uh, so you park, it's like a paved road all mm-hmm. the way up to the up to the Pioneer Lodge. It's got parking spots. They even have like a tennis court or something else out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you hike past there, you can get all over Schaefer Butte. And it is beautiful. When the snow melts off, the view, the whole bogus basin area is pretty spectacular. And then you can see all the way down into the valley. And I don't know if, I don't recall being able to look over and see over into the sawtooths, but you might be able to. It's gorgeous. Um, lots of areas to go. Lots of mountain bikers up there too. Didn't we have some problem with logging though when we went up there last time? Yeah. So I was taking you guys over to Moore's Mountain, uh-huh. which is another awesome spot. So before we move over to Moore's Mountain, I plug Schaefer Butte. It's a cool place for some day hikes. And it only takes like, um, I forget how long it takes to get up there, but maybe an hour and 15 minutes. And the drive minutes, was I think, gorgeous. City. Like oh, I kept making you drive. stop for like social media. I'm like, I got to take a picture of this. Yeah. I, it was beautiful. You're looking at the valley unfold all the way up. Mm-hmm. So in just every time that you pull off and stop, it gets better and better and better. Yeah. Um, it's great. Now, Moore's Mountain is one of my favorites. It's great. It's got a campground there, but it's a little bit further beyond uh, Schaefer Butte. Now, when you put in the Google directions for Moors, I just kind of wanted to say this, is that when you do that, it takes you the driving directions actually through um, Pioneer Lodge and Schaefer Butte, which is dumb. You can't get there. Like, it shows the road going through 
the tennis courts. I'm like, come on, nobody's driving through the the ten, through the tennis courts. What you have to to do is, as you pass Bogus Basin, where you would turn right to go up to Pioneer Lodge, you just keep on going straight. Um, so uh, it's the Frontier Point Lodge is the one that's right at that turning section. So before you get to the Frontier Pine Lodge, you turn right to go up to uh, Pioneer Lodge in Schaefer Butte, but you keep on going straight there. And eventually Google will pick up and it's like, oh, I see which way you're going. It's on a couple of forest roads. I think it's Forest Road 297. Um, And then when you get almost all the way there, it's about a mile before the end of the trail, you'll turn right on Forest Road 374. Um, just Google it. You'll see what I'm talking about. But Moore's Mountain is awesome. Moore's Mountain has a picnic area. Now you have to pay a day use fee. So it requires you to put some money in an envelope. I want to say it's like eight bucks or five bucks. It's something super cheap. But uh, it's got picnic tables. It's got restrooms. It's got campgrounds. It's got a lot of stuff there. Okay. I just have a couple questions. First of all, you said day use. There is something you can buy um, when you go to the DMV. Your Idaho Parks Pass. Is that is that all of this? Is yep. that included? So, yep. and that's Any, what ten dollars a year. Ten bucks a year. Whenever you're getting your um, your license plate renewed, uh, it'll give you the option for a for a parks pass. I think it's called the Idaho Parks Pass. Ten bucks, and you can get into all sorts of, of these these places. If you want to go to uh, Lucky Peak Reservoir, and they have a day use fee. Um, if you want to go out towards um, Emmett, uh, any of these parks that have a day use, that's what you, what your parks pass is. Sure. Even for. Eagle Island, which yeah. uh, that's not a hike, but that's just fun. Um, one thing that I've noticed that we haven't really chatted about, um, and it just reminded me because uh, when we went up to um, Schaefer Butte last year, there was um, logging happening, but the roads were in such horrific condition because of, I guess, the loggers. They had just been, you know, throwing um, lumber all over the place. But we haven't really talked about what kind of vehicle can make it up to a lot oh. of these things. Because um, So we, you have a, a truck, a pretty, you know. Old Bessie. Yeah, <laughs> Okay. And it's a, it's a beefy truck and that makes it up fine. But there, I mean, when we were going up oh, it a couple of years ago, we were trying, we were kind of chasing the snow, the snow line. And we, all of a sudden we're, we found ourselves in snow. We weren't expecting and we got really stuck. I mean, and we were in a pretty good truck. Um, so um, what kind of like when you're giving people advice for the vehicles to take up there, um, do you have any thoughts on, Everything that. that we've talked about so far, you can make it there in a Vespa. <laughs> okay. Almost. Um, you can make it all the way up to Bogus Basin um, in a little Honda Civic, and you'll be perfectly fine. You can make it down to Guffy Butte, um, Lucky Peak, and um, uh, Table Rock. Those are both uh, right there in the city, so mm-hmm. you don't have to have anything to get there. The exception is Moore's Mountain so okay. far. Um you're right. Once you once you bear left and you don't turn up towards Pine uh, towards Pioneer Lodge and you just kind of keep on going on that forest road, that's one that you need to have some four wheel drive or something with some with some clearance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you could probably make it up there in some Rav fours or, or some little uh, sport utility vehicles too. Even if you had a couple of Subarus, maybe I'm sure that you could make it. But um, yeah, when you get onto the forest roads, forest roads are a pretty good indication. I might want to have something that can get me out of a 
tight spot. I'm shocked what I see people take up there though. Like these huge RVs on these tiny Oh my gosh. <laughs> tiny mountain roads. I'm like, what is happening? It's terrifying. Pulling campers. I see them pulling campers with and granted they've got some trucks to pull them with, but mm-hmm. these campers are huge and they're on the skinniest, ruddiest mountain roads. Blows my mind people's tenacity. So, um, just to wrap up Moore's Mountain, it's got options. I love it. There are a series of loops and trails. They've got two like loops that'll get you closer and closer to the peak of Moore's Mountain. Um, and then there's there's a ridge trail that'll take you out and back. Um, I love it because it's got granite outcroppings. It's got the trees so that you're in the pine forest. And then when you get up there, it's got views all the way to the sawtooths. And it is worth going up there just to look over into the sawtooths. You want something that's going to plant some inspiration and get you motivated to get ready to go on some pretty advanced hikes. Look at the sawtooths. Oh my gosh, beautiful. I want to go up there right now. All right. Didn't we just go out yesterday? So we talked about uh, all the way up to Schaefer Butte and Moore's Mountain, a couple of places along the way. We talked about Table Rock and Lucky Peak. Um, and we talked about Guffey Butte down south near Cele- Celebration Park. I think that's a... That's a good list for, you know, starting out. Yeah. So that's all really manageable. I think that it's awesome because they're, like you said, they're manageable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a lot to get out there, but it's got the level of appreciation that will make it seem... Number one, I did that. That's awesome. Number two, the views and the experience, it really is worth going out to. Um, it's pretty awesome when you can go out there or take your kids out there and you show them show them something spectacular. Um, it's a great starter to get you motivated to maybe branch out and do something a little bit more uh, challenging or something a little bit more uh, in the middle of nowhere. I wouldn't recommend going out into the middle of nowhere out of the gate, but baby steps. These are the first steps. I love that. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's a great list. Thanks for putting that together. I'd like to finish with a couple of calls to action sure. of people. Number one, today, make a plan, put it on your calendar to go out to one of these places. If you haven't been to one, put it on the calendar, tell somebody. There's something about speaking it. You verbally obligate yourself to actually follow through. So put it on your calendar, tell your family, tell your kids, get them excited, tell your friends, whoever. But make a plan to go out and see one of these places. You can get to every place except for Schaefer Butte and Moore's Mountain right now. And you'll probably be able to make it up to those by June, I'm going to guess. Um, and the other thing is that when you, you go, take a small trash bag and pick up a couple of pieces of trash along the way. Try to fill the bag if you can. But put in a little bit of effort to make these places uh, beautiful and to keep them nice. Well, that, especially just getting into the habit, but also showing your kids. That's just what you do. And I'm just going to add on to that just a little bit. Um, if you feel a little bit nervous, uh, like sometimes I feel nervous about going up by myself or with the kids. Um, and if this is not something that's you're comfortable with, there are a lot of people out there who are genuinely willing to help. And if you put it out to friends who you know are more experienced and say, hey, I really want to try this. I'm a little nervous. They really will take you under their wing. Um, we've seen that in our family before we became, I guess, so outdoorsy in the beginning. We ha- we needed help. And uh, if you feel like this is just not accessible, um, I promise people here are really nice. And when you show that you are genuinely interested in in uh, showing respect and, and wanting to get out there, that people will, will help you and just kind of vocalize it. I want to get out. Who can help me? Who can, who can I go with? And you're going to find some, um, great connections that way. Yeah. In general, mountain people are such amazingly nice people. 
I think that they're like that because there's a pattern. People that are in the mountains want to go see something beautiful, and they want to do that because it makes them feel humbled and grateful. And those emotions lend towards just being kind and generous. And I think that whenever we're out there and we see other people, me as an experienced person, when I see other people out there that are also trying to experience that, that too, when I see somebody who might look like they're new or maybe not quite prepared, I have like this natural, um, tendency to nurture. Like I want to talk to them. Hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys are doing awesome. And, um, I just love sharing. And I think that mountain people in general, they want to share too. So if you're just kind and willing to be a little bit vulnerable and put yourself out there and have some conversations with people that you don't know, it is super easy to get some great tips and some encouragement. Love that. Great. All right. Well, make sure that as you're uh, experiencing this, uh, maybe tag us in your social media. We would love to see you on your adventures and uh, also get your advice. If you have advice on exploring the mountains, um, you can tag us with um, on Instagram uh, at the Boise Bubble or also on our community page at Hello Meridian. And we would love to share that as well. All right. Thanks. The Boise Bubble podcast is sponsored by Volkswagen of Boise. Thank you so much Volkswagen and Boise for sponsoring this feature all about the Idaho mountains. And if you're looking for a way to explore, we highly recommend the Atlas Crossport.